Over the years, I have preached from this text any number of times and have always found it to be so rich in faith and in the power of God and in understanding the ways of the Holy Spirit, I believe. Uh, I want you to turn in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 14. The Gospel of St. Matthew chapter 14. And I'm going to begin reading at verse 22. Taking my subject today, He still walks the water. He still walks the water. Father, I ask You today to anoint our efforts to deliver Your Word to this people. Father, I ask You that Jesus and Jesus alone would be glorified in all that is said and done. Father, I pray right now for hungry hearts, for thirsty souls, to be touched for the kingdom of Christ, and I pray it in the name of Jesus, and everybody would say, Amen and Amen. And bring your anointing, Lord. Hallelujah. Some days, some days you need that anointing more than you need it at other times. Amen. Uh, so let's start reading Matthew 15, 22, and straightway Jesus constrained his disciples. Now that word constrained is a strong military term. Let's see what he said to them. He constrained his disciples to get into a ship and to go before him unto the other side while he sent the multitudes away. In other words, Jesus had to basically say, look, man, I said get in the boat and go on to the other side without me. I'm going to go pray. I can relate to the way the disciples must have felt at hearing the very thought that they would be separated from Jesus even for a short journey across the lake. And Jesus was going to come later, but they just wanted to be with Him, and they wanted Him to be with them. And so He had to constrain them. He had to say, look, it's going to be okay. Get in that boat and get on over there, and I'll catch you later. I'll be over there later. I'm going to go up and pray. Um, and, and so that's what it says in verse 23, when he had sent the multitudes away, he went up into a mountain apart to pray. And when the evening was come, he was there alone. So Jesus prayed most likely all day, all day by himself in the mountain praying. And I can understand why somebody would like that. I mean, I love praying in the mountains. Jesus, if Jesus needed to pray, if Jesus needed to spend a day here and there in the presence of God, uh, doing nothing else, how much more do you and I, who by far are not the Son of God, how much more do we need to pray on a consistent basis? A consistent prayer life will help you to establish relationship with God every day. And it's hard to have a good relationship with anyone you don't talk to and talk with. It's not just a matter, prayer is not just a matter of the words that we say, it's also listening to the voice of God through the scriptures, in your spirit, in your heart, through circumstances, studying them out to hear what God is saying to you. This is all part of a prayer life. So it was important to Jesus, so much so that he had to constrain his disciples to go ahead and take a step of faith without him. He's going to go pray. I'll be with you later. Follow along. But the ship 
that contained the disciples was now in the midst of the sea, tossed with waves, for the wind was contrary. Hallelujah. I want to ask you a question as we read that verse. How many of you think that Jesus already knew all about the storm? I do. In fact, I personally believe from studying this in the original language that Jesus purposely sent his disciples into the heart of that storm, knowing it would come. Why? Because he tests our faith. And he looked at those disciples that day and take heart, child of God, if you find that your faith is being tested, it is only because God has looked at you and he saw great faith. And great faith must be tested greatly. And quite frankly, Santa Claus won't develop you. God is interested in a whole lot more than you and I coming into His presence with our list of requests and our list of demands and our scripture verses to get what we want. God is interested in developing the character of Jesus Christ in us. And so He sent these disciples into the midst of the storm. It was a test of their faith. God tests, but He never tempts. You follow me? God will test us, but He will never tempt us to do evil. He will never tempt us to sin. The Bible is clear about that. God tempteth not any man to sin. But He does test our faith. He wants us to learn reliance and dependence upon Him. And the interesting thing about that is, He was showing these disciples an object lesson. Because He was the one who separated from them to go pray. And he was the one that sent them on ahead by themselves into the heart of a storm. But he gave them a word. He said, go to the other side. He didn't say, die in the storm. Now you follow what I'm saying. He was testing their faith to develop total dependency in them by separating from them for a moment. Teaching them to rely on His Word. I want that to sink in. I don't need to physically be in the boat with you to rescue you. I don't need to physically be there in order for you to make it to the other side. I have given you a Word. Stand on that word, act on that word, believe that word, and go to the other side. But human as we are, oftentimes our faith needs to be tested because our faith, though great in the eyes of God, is weak and wrapped up in flesh. And so in the fourth watch of the night, verse 25, Jesus went unto them walking on the sea. Now can you imagine how those disciples must have felt in the midst of a storm? You all know what a storm is. Thunder, lightning, wind, waves, howling, uh, fear creeps up in them. And they look out into the murky, murky darkness. The fourth watch of the night is the darkest part of the night. It's from 3 a.m. to 6 a.m. in the morning. And here comes Jesus 
or a ghost, they might have thought, here comes someone, something, walking to them on the water. And you say, well, how do you know they felt that? Because of what Peter's reaction was. When the disciples saw him walking on the sea, here it says, they were troubled saying, it is a spirit, it's a ghost, man. And they cried out for fear, but straightway Jesus spake unto them saying, be of good cheer, it is I, be not afraid. And Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it be thou, bid me come unto thee on the water. Now, what's Jesus going to say? It ain't me, Peter. It was Jesus. Peter blurts it out, Lord, if it's really you. Now, there must have been some form of a debate in that boat that day. Because at first it says, thinking it was a spirit, they cried out for fear. And Peter, where did he get that? Lord Jesus, if it's you, bid me to come. So they must have had some kind of thoughts in their mind. That's Jesus. No, that can't be Jesus. He's in the mountain praying. That's a ghost. No, it can't be a ghost. Ain't no such thing as ghost. That's got to be Jesus. No, it can't be Jesus. And this must have been going on at least inside of them, if not spoken. We don't have the recorded instance of what was actually said among them, except that they cried out for fear. And sometimes in the midst of the storms of life that God allows us to go through in order to develop character in us, in order to teach us, in order to instruct us and guide us through our life as a Christian, sometimes in those storms we will become fearful. The question is not, will I become fearful ever in my life? The question is, what am I going to do with that when it arises? And I'll tell you something right now. Fear can take you down a dark path that you don't want to go. But fear can also cause you to cry out unto God. And so we're all human, so we're all going to have those instances when we're in the storms of life. Nothing is going well. Nothing is going right. <coughs> Nothing is going as we had planned it. The ministry isn't progressing the way we want it to. But God, beloved, is in control of everything. And so when fear comes to us and we see ourselves in a situation and fear begins to try to attack us, we need to begin to cry out to God in prayer. You remember Jesus went to the mountain to pray. He gave His disciples a word. You're going to the other side. He didn't say you're going to die in your storm. I want to tell you something, ladies and gentlemen. The storm was never the destination. The other side is the destination. The storm is something you must pass through to get to destination. The other side. You can't get to the other side if you don't leave this side. If you don't step out and row away from shore by faith, you hear me? And get out there in the troubled waters of life to do ministry for the kingdom. If you don't get out there from your comfort zone, from your safety uh, regiment that you have built for your life, from your protection that you've sat in place, Oh, you've got great protection. It'll come from Jesus. 
He tells you to get out there and cross and go to the other side. There's another level I have for you. There's another place I want you to be. I don't want you to go backwards. You know, I've got a little saying here in this ministry. And I just turned 52 years old. So it, it really doesn't matter to me what people think about it. But here's how I look at it. I don't look too much at those who are starting where I started. I look mostly at those who are doing what I dreamt. Come on, somebody. I know you need to hear that. I'm not going backwards. I'm not forging, uh, foraging, scurrying around back in the past of doing things the same old small way. I'm linking up and I'm hooking up with those who are doing it better than me. With those who are doing more than I'm doing. With those who are, are actually doing what I dreamed about 35 years ago as a young minister. And I had some of these dreams. And it wasn't in God's plan for me to physically do at that time what I dreamed. You see, sometimes you get a good idea, you get a good thought, you get a big heart. You want to do, you want to do, but it's not God's will for you to do. It's God's will for you to pray. It's God's will for you to connect. It's God's will to develop character in you. And then one day, as you look to those who are doing what you dreamt, hallelujah, and you reach out to them, praise God, that takes you into the dream. So you get there, you just don't get to get there your way, you got to go there God's way, which is through the troubled waters at times. It's through the storm on your way to the other side. And what did they have? They had a word. And they had prayer. Let's read a little more. That is what we need in our lives as believers today, more than at any other time, we need the Word of Jesus and we need prayer. If it's really you, bid me come unto thee on the water. Verse 29, Jesus said, Come. And when Peter was come down out of the ship, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. So here's Peter at the sound of the command of Christ. Come! Peter just steps out of the boat and starts walking across the top of the water. Ain't no human beings walk on top of the water. Peter was. Jesus was. Peter was. They could have been walking around out there together. We don't know. Obey the word God gives you. He still walks the water, ladies and gentlemen. He still comes to you in those storms of life, those storms of ministry, those storms of marriage, those storms in your home, in your body, whatever the storm might be, He still walks the water. And He's given you a word. He's given you a whole Bible full of words right here. And he said, come. And Peter came. Obey the word that God gives you. And notice that that is a process. And look what happened in Peter's process. And when he saw the wind boisterous, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, 
He cried saying, Lord, save me. That's the greatest prayer that's ever been prayed right there. Three words, Lord, save me. Sometimes that short little prayer right there is the best thing, glory to God, that you can say. But I want you to notice something about Peter's process. We have the principle that God is working the character of Christ into Peter and the other disciples and into us as well in our lives. That's the principle. The process is he had a word. If it's really you, Lord, bid me come. Jesus bids you come. He has the word. He acts on the word of God, begins to walk on the water, but then comes something that he can see. He's no longer relying completely upon the word of Christ. Come. He starts to look and he sees the terrible storm that he's in and he becomes fearful. But you remember I told you, and, 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 and don't misunderstand, Brother Paxton, fear is of the enemy. Fear is, is evil. Fear will do damage untold lives have been permanently scarred because of fear. Fear is not of God, but fear will come to us in our humanity and there is a way we must react to it. Peter shows us exactly what to do. It says he started to sink. He was only beginning to sink. He didn't sink. He didn't go down. He didn't go under. He didn't lose the ranch. He didn't lose his ministry. He didn't lose his, his uh, financial provision. He didn't lose his health. He didn't. He started to, look, beginning to sink. Because of fear, he began to sink. How many of us can safely say this morning that at one time or another in our lives, because of fear, we began to sink? I was afraid. I was afraid it wouldn't work out. I was afraid of what people might say. I was afraid nobody would help me. And I cried real loud about it too. And I was afraid. And I was afraid. And I was afraid of what people might think. I was afraid if I went down to that altar, how it would look to others. I was afraid. And so I began to sink. And right there, my friend, you are at what business executives term a strategic inflection point. You have to make a split-second decision to go one way or the other. Which way did Peter go? Which way did Peter go? When he saw the wind was boisterous, he was afraid and beginning to sink. He cried saying, Lord, save me. He did the right thing. He went the right road right there. He went the right direction at that point. I'm telling you, God is not interested in our comfort and our ease. God is not interested in keeping us protected when a world is going to hell. He will protect us, yes, but He doesn't want us sheltered. Let's use that word. God doesn't want us to shelter at camp. We are called to go into the wild where the danger is, where the storm is, and reach hurting souls with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And fear is going to come against us. But when it does, Lord, save me. 
and Jesus will show up. What does the Bible say in the next verse, the very next verse? And immediately, immediately upon what preacher? Immediately after Peter cried out, Lord, save me. Peter showed his faith and immediately Jesus stretched forth his hand and caught him and said unto him, O thou of little faith, wherefore did thou doubt? And when they were coming to the ship, the wind ceased. And I'm going to come back and read a little bit more, but I want to make some points on that. You say, well... Peter shouldn't have to prove anything to anybody. He had to show Jesus his faith. Get rid of those attitudes of what you do and don't have to do or what you should and shouldn't have to do. Get rid of all that preconceived idea business. And get down to real business with God. Come on, somebody. Because you're going to get in a storm and you're going to face fear. And Jesus is not looking solely at your circumstance. He is not moved by your need alone. He is moved by faith. He responds to faith. He knows you got the need. He knows Peter was on walking on the water. He knows Peter was looking at the waves and he knew Peter was going to be afraid and he knew Peter was going to start to sink, but he did not catch him until Peter evidenced faith. I believe he would have saved Peter's life irrespective. That's not the point. That's not the destination, if you will. The destination is, why did this instance in the recorded Word of God take place? It was to teach Peter and the disciples and us the lesson of total dependency by faith on Jesus for everything about our lives. That's why. He still walks the water. You can sit in the safe place. You can stay on the other end of the shore. You can stay there Never launch out into the deep. Find yourself in very few storms, but I got to tell you, I don't care how hard you try to protect yourself through life, you're going to get hit. That's just the way life is. That's the way being human is. You have got to understand, people, that we are other than God. You know, we are human, and because of that, we are subject to certain things. You, you, you can go live in a cave. You're still going to have problems. But God has given you a word. And that word is go to the other side. And in the midst of that storm that will try you and test you on your way to the other side, in the midst of that will come another word. When you're fearful. When you're, when you're lonely. When you're hurting. When you're broke. Another word will come. It's important that you keep the destination in view. 
even in the midst of the storm, because you will hear another word, and that word will say, come to me. Basically what he told Peter, he said, come. To me is the implied of the statement. Talking about himself, Jesus. So he tells us, we've, we've, we've obeyed him at the beginning. We've launched out from the shore. We run into these storms on our way to the destination, which is the other side. And Christian, for us, it is heaven. Our best life is heaven. Our best life will be later. And on the way through life, there are storms. But he's given us a word. Go to the other side. Go, boys. Go. I'm, I'm, I'm going to be praying. And I'm going to come. And he comes with his presence to us all the time. He never leaves or forsakes us, the Bible says. He's always with us. Jesus, when he was on the earth, he could only be in one place at one time. So he could not be in that boat with those disciples and in that mountain praying at the same time. Now the Holy Spirit could go, but Jesus himself could not. But Jesus told us, and it's through the, the Holy Spirit, but he said to us, I will never leave you or forsake you. So right now Jesus is here with us. Jesus is with us now. When I go to the grocery store, Jesus goes along with me. When I go down to the bank and get rejected for a loan again, or when I go approach a pastor about a project and that pastor rejects me again, I don't need to go blast that pastor on Facebook. Bless his heart, I pray God bless him so good. Hallelujah. Because Jesus went through that rejection with me, and, and more than that, he went through rejection for me. Hallelujah. I don't have to have bitter feelings and ill feelings toward anyone on the face of the earth. I don't have to be afraid of any situation on the face of the earth because my citizenship is in the heavenly kingdom. Glory to God. And Jesus already knew He was going to allow storms to come into Len Paxton's life, to come into your life. He's going to allow that to happen so that He can transform us and conform us into the image of His Son, Jesus Christ. Hallelujah! I guarantee you, and this fairly flat well better be true of every one of us if we're believers, I guarantee you I respond a whole lot differently now than I did five years ago or two years ago or one year ago or even one month ago. I respond differently now. Why? Because I'm growing in the Lord. I'm growing in grace and the knowledge of the Lord by the power of the Holy Spirit through the Word of God and through prayer and through faith. That was, that was what was being illustrated here in the very fact that Jesus still walks the water. In order for Jesus to still walk the water, there still has to be storms. And there is for each one of us. And if, if you're out in the smooth sailing and the blue skies and sunshine now, praise God for it. Because a storm will come. If you're in a storm right now, then you need to understand that there will be smooth days and sunshine and blue sky for you again. Life goes through cycles and patterns and seasons. But the constant through it all is the Word of Almighty God. Go to your destination. 
And on the way there will be a storm, come unto me. And when we find ourselves fearful, when we find ourselves in trouble, when we find ourselves falling down in sin, when we find ourselves, He said, O oh, thou... Let, let me read exactly the words that Jesus said. O oh, thou of little faith, why did you doubt? In other words, wherefore didst thou doubt? Why did you doubt? And every time we have one of these experiences, the next time our faith is a little stronger. At least that's the intention, that the next time our faith would be just a little bit stronger and a little bit more anchored in Jesus and not ourselves, not our strategies, not our protectionist uh, philosophies that we build in our lives to, to take care of ourselves. But if we're going to launch out into the troubled waters of life to rescue souls for Jesus, we're going to have to stop planning our route of retreat. And we're going to have to trust Jesus to take us to the other side. Hey! I want to say that again. If we're going to launch out from our safe place, from our comfort zone, from our little comfortable place, into the troubled waters of life in the day and age which we live, and rescue hurting humanity and bring them to the cross of Jesus Christ, if we're going to do that, we're going to have to stop planning our retreat route and trust the Word of God, the Word of Jesus, trust Jesus to take us to the other side. And quite frankly, Jesus just gives the Word. He doesn't say, you know, if, if Washington, D.C. likes it or approves of it. He doesn't say, you know, if everybody down at the factory likes what you're doing. He doesn't say, hey, you know, if all your family's behind you. He doesn't say any of that. He just gives you the word and expects you to believe it. And he always comes at the right time. And he catches you. As I said, Peter had to evidence faith, but I do believe that God would have saved his life. Because I mean, Jesus was a healer. Jesus was not, Jesus is not a killer. The Bible says the thief comes, Satan comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Jesus said, "I am come that they might have abundant life." That wasn't the point of this. The point of this, <clears throat> Peter learned a lesson, and all the other disciples there that day that were watching this learned that lesson. And you and I can learn that lesson as we read this account. Was that Peter had to exhibit faith? Because Jesus is so willing and so right there and so on top of your situation to catch you, hallelujah. He just wants to see your trust and faith and confidence placed in Him and not in yourself. And I didn't bear down on that a whole lot in this message today. But that's one of the greatest enemies that we have is ourselves. The little schemes that we come up with, the little promotions, the little retreat routes that we devise, the little conditions that we put on getting into that boat and going out into that troubled water. All of these things is a great enemy to real faith. It is not the friend of faith. Faith will take the word at face value and verbatim and will seek to apply it to one's life. And that's what Peter and the disciples, and that's what you and I can learn from this today. Let's see what happened. When they were come into the ship, 
<laughs> when Jesus caught Peter and got him back to the boat, all of a sudden, the wind ceased. Storm's over. Its intended purpose had been accomplished. And Jesus showed Peter that on your own, on your own in the storms of life, you will sink. On your own, you won't make it. On your own, you can't solve the problems. Call on me. That's what Jesus illustrated to them that day. And as soon as that illustration and that purpose was accomplished, the storm just stopped. Then they that were in the ship came and worshipped him, saying, Of a truth, thou art the Son of God. It made a believer out of them, friend. And storms have a way of doing that in our lives. They'll make believers out of us. If we'll let God do His intentions in us, our faith, will, we will grow from glory to glory and from faith to faith and we'll become brighter and brighter, not duller and duller. And we will shine in a wicked dark world with the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, if we will allow God to do what He wants to do within us. And it will involve sending us into some storms. It will involve developing us. And sometimes it's a painful process. But if we'll let Him have His way, if we won't fight Him on it, we will be conformed to the very image of His Son, Jesus Christ, which is the ultimate outcome of us all as believers. One day, the Scripture says, we will see Him as He is, and we will be like Him, and we will know as we are known in that hour, we will become like Jesus ultimately. And life is the process of that. Life, someone has said, a great, great evangelist has once said that life is the dress rehearsal for eternity. And so the lessons that need to be learned need to be learned now, although there will be much that he will teach us throughout all of eternity. It's not that he won't teach us. It's that this life has a purpose for us. <clears throat> you see, if all it was about was me, now, if all that it was about was getting what I desire, there's really very little purpose in that. Solomon experienced that, and he said it's all vanity and vexation of spirit. The purpose comes in knowing that even in the pain, even in the fear, you are to become, and you are being fashioned into, the image of, of your Savior. You're learning how to respond. You're learning how to deal with other people. You're learning how to walk by faith and not by sight. You're learning so many things as we journey through this life. And we're on point. We're on mission to take the gospel to a lost world. All the while, we're going through these storms in our life. And it's important that we understand that God wants us to stay on mission. If, he doesn't want you to stop mission and get off track 
every time a problem arises, Satan will see to it, if you do that, that you have a problem every single day. Some Christians do, you know, they have a problem all the time. They're always hurt. They're always wounded. They always need to be fixed. They always need, need, need for their emotional stability. That is not normal for a Christian, I'm just going to tell you. We need to learn how to let stuff roll off us like water off a duck's back and follow the word of faith that was spoken into our life by Jesus. That's what we need. Hallelujah! All through that process, our life takes on purpose. It takes on meaning and richness that we wouldn't have if it was all about us. Thank God it's not all about us. It's all about Jesus. It's all about Christ. I'm not done with this message today, but I feel led of the Holy Spirit to quit. I want to ask you a question as I close this message. If you're in a storm right now and fear is battling against you and you don't know if you have the strength to obey the Word of God, I want to tell you that the strength is found in the very first simplest act of obedience, which is to cry out to Him. And if you need to do that today, you need to get down to business with God and tell Him that you need Him. Don't tell Him you're going to, oh, oh Lord, give me the strength to figure this out. Oh God, let, me, let my plan work. Let my plan succeed. Just tell Him, Lord, please save me. And the second thing I want, to, I want to say as we close this down, if you're in smooth sailing today, you need to have a heart of compassion for those who are in a storm. Enough to keep reaffirming, not to tell them necessarily what they would like to hear, but to keep reaffirming what Jesus has spoken, what Jesus has said in the Word of God. And keep laying that before them. Sometimes, sometimes, sometimes in this life, situations don't change all that much on the outward. But on the inside of us, they change. I know, I know Christians are across the planet, on the other side of the earth, that live joyful, happy, productive Christian lives, and they have almost nothing of this world's goods. I know many Christians who are so happy and joyful, and yet they suffer ill health. Now, I believe God's a healer. We, we, we don't want to ever doubt the fact that God is a healer. However, whatever state I find myself in, the Apostle Paul said, I'm going to praise the Lord. I'm going to love Jesus. I'm going to win souls. I'm going to preach the gospel. I'm going to be happy. Happiness is a choice that's totally unrelated. You can choose to be happy while going through a storm. After a while in life, you start to learn that you can laugh and joke just as easy as you can cry out with fear. Oh, you're not hearing me. But it all comes... By trust in Jesus Christ. By faith completely, totally in Jesus Christ and Him alone. 
Father, thank you for this few moments with the people today. Father God, I pray that you will bless them. I pray that you will convict our hearts, Lord, of areas that we need to totally surrender to you and allow you to have your way in us, Lord. Lord Jesus, accomplish your purposes in me. Lord Jesus, accomplish your will in me. Your plan in me. And I lift it up as a sacrifice of praise today in the mighty name of Jesus. In the mighty name of Jesus. And Father, we place the storms in your hands because you still walk the water. And we know you have never left us or forsaken us. In Jesus' name, amen and amen.